You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Hey, I wanted to say something before I start this morning. I want to say a special thank you uh, to two people who will probably not like that I'm publicly doing this, but anyways... They'll deal with it. I just want to say thank you to Ty Russell. I think he actually might be teaching in kids if he's not up here. Oh, he's right there. Hey, perfect. Uh, thank you to Ty and to Marcus as well. Thank you, Marcus. Ty and Marcus, they put together uh, the men's breakfast yesterday, so it was a good time getting together. Marcus cooked, like, all this food. Marcus said he was going to, like, cook food. He just, like, kept cooking more food. And uh, it was awesome. So we, I really appreciate those guys. So thank you. Um, man, I, I just, I love that. I love it. Ty was like, hey, we need to do a men's breakfast. And I want to, like, help do it so you don't have to do it, but you can just come. I was like, man, that sounds awesome. <laughs> this is what coming to church is like. You just show up when you want to events if you want to. So it's, it's a great feeling. I didn't know that. So um, but, uh, I know it's nice. Um, but Hey, I just want to say thank you. Thanks to the guys who came out. We're going to, um, have another one that's coming up at the end of March. Our goal is, uh, I think the third Saturday, but I got to talk to Ty. We can talk later, Ty. This isn't the time or place, but, um, Hey, I just wanted to share a little bit with you guys next week. Uh, we're going to have a special guest speaker, Jeff Peterson, um, is going to be sharing an awesome message an awesome sermon and, uh, if it's the one he shared, he shared a little bit of his heart with me on anxiety and some things. It's it's going to be an awesome message. So I want to encourage you uh, to come and check that out. But Katie and I are going to be in Thailand, uh, which is cool. Uh, we're really excited. Uh, I I normally wouldn't go that far away, but uh, this is new for us. But uh, we we're partnering together. Some of you guys probably know Dana Bridget, who were the pastors here and part of relaunching. Yeah, you can clap for that. Awesome. I love it. Uh, Dana Bridget are, are dear friends of ours, and we love them. They're really close uh, mentors, and, and we just are so excited for what God's doing. For some of you who don't know, uh, we sent Dana and Bridget, and we heavily support Dana and Bridget in Bangkok, Thailand. And they're a part of a church that was without a lead pastor for about, I think, two years, two and a half years. They were without a lead pastor, which is a long time. And the church, uh, they came over and, and took the church over really with the intent of doing in Thailand what we all kind of did here at Banner Church. And the intent is to relaunch that church as Banner Bangkok. And so uh, as far as our board and our finances and all this stuff, we, we won't be like tied in together. But as far as being sister churches tied in relationally, uh, we're really close. And so Katie and I talked to Dana and Bridget, and, and we love them. And just hearing what God's doing is absolutely amazing. And God's growing that church, and he's building that community. And, man, I, I just hope, like, whatever God does here, he just does exponentially over there. That's really my, my heart. It's like, God, whatever you're doing, just do tenfold over there for them because they have just given their lives to ministry. So Katie and I are going to go over there and, and preach and do some leadership teachings and, I don't know, prophesy over some people. And uh, God's already just even now be, begun to give us some visions of, of some people and, and put some things in my heart and mind for, for healing and dramatic revelations of his Holy Spirit. And so we're going to be there for um, 10 days doing all that. So this is how pastors take vacations. They go in somewhere else and do more work. But uh, <laughs> then we're going to take a couple days and, and, and be together as a family. So we're really excited. And, and I want to invite you to definitely not miss uh, next Sunday because I, I really believe the word you're going to receive is going to be special for your heart as well. And some people have been prophesying and speaking and praying over this church, both Banner here and Banner in Bangkok, and, and really speaking into this four-week chunk of time that I think we're in week two of, based off when people started sharing, of what God was going to do. And so if there was ever an encouragement for you to continue to show up consistently, it would be this, that people have been sharing with us in their heart prophecies and words for this church over the next four, or next, I guess, three remaining weeks. And I just don't want you to miss it if something's there for you. So I just want to encourage you to be a part. Come check it out. Um, really good. But, yeah, we'll be in Thailand. I'm, I'm so excited. Really, really excited for what God's going to do. My wife's excited. My wife's only ever gone this way on the globe, never this way. So have, have you gone to the East Coast even? What's the farthest this way? Illinois? Chicago? North Carolina? Oh, yeah, so that counts. That's the south in my brain, so it's way down here somewhere. But, well, I'm excited, you guys. Uh, uh, we're in this last part of our uh, Blessed Life series, and it's been really good so far. 
Uh, I've really enjoyed hearing the personal testimonies of what God's doing in lives through this series. It's been really cool. Uh, No one's come up to me and been highly combative, so either I'm, like, intimidating enough or maybe they left or something and we missed it. Uh, But overall, it's been cool to see the testimony of what God has done in lives, in finances, in homes, in families, in relationships. And I I just want to encourage you, I'm going to just hit on it, regret putting God in the right order of your life. And and in this series, again, I'm going to just hit on it over and over again, is this is a heart series. And just like when we talked about fasting, just like when we talked about prayer, this is the tool and the mechanism in which God shifts our hearts to be more like him. And as we do that, that's where we begin to see a blessed life. It's not numerically. It's not just financially. It's not uh, physically. It's not, just a, it's not just all these things. It is relationally with God where we begin to see a blessed life. So I want to encourage you. We're going to pray this morning. We're going to jump into uh, the principles of multiplication. But let's pray. God, I thank you this morning that as we gather in this church and gather in this place that already you're softening hearts because you want to speak. Holy Spirit, I'm so thankful that it's your ministry that's happening in this church, God, not mine. And so, God, I pray is that that earth of our heart begins to soften, that you would plant a seed this morning that would bear great fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to talk to you today about multiplication. Uh, If you went to elementary school or are currently enrolled, you probably heard about multiplication. And uh, addition's good. Subtraction, depending on who you're hanging out with, is good or bad. But multiplication is great, right? Multiplication is better when it comes to numbers unless you're working with negatives and zeros, right? But if you're working with any kind of numbers, usually multiplication is better with, with like things. And, and so I want to share with you this morning, because I believe that our God is a God of multiplication, And I'm going to explain what I mean in just a second. But I want to ask a question that was asked to me, and I'm going to ask it to you. But would it be okay with you if God multiplied your resources? Good. Immediately people are like, dang it, Prosperity Church, we chose one. No, that's not what we are at all. You can go back and listen to the last message. Um, That's not what we are. But we're talking about principles of multiplication because our God is a God of multiplication. And so those principles of multiplication come... Uh, and, and are really birthed out of a passage of Scripture in Luke 9. And so if you brought your Bible, crack it open to Luke 9. It's in the Gospels. It's in the New Testament. Uh, it's written by, spoiler, Luke. And, uh, <laughs> but Luke 9, go ahead and open because we're going to read a portion of Scripture uh, where Jesus feeds uh, what's labeled in Scripture as the 5,000. Um, but we'll get to that in just a moment. But this is it. It's Luke 9, verse 10, and we'll go from there. It says this, On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done, and he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. It says, now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came to him and said, send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. They, being the disciples, said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we're going to go buy food for all these people, which I'll explain in a second is crazy. Verse 14 says, For there were about 5,000 men, and he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. So I'm going to stop there because it's called Jesus Feeds the 5,000, but it's a little misleading culturally. Is that sometimes people said, Jesus fed 5,000 people, which is true and not true. Is that Jesus fed 5,000, but he fed way more than 5,000 people. Because at the time in Jewish culture, they only counted the men. It's a different time, right? Different rights and, and connections. They only counted the men because they were counting family units. And so if you were to include the spouses, if you were to include the children, and let's say we only estimated two children per family, which at the time would have been very low. It's probably more four to five 
and upwards, the number is closer to 20,000 people. So follow me. Matthew 14.21 says, the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides the women and children. Now, is he saying the men ate and the women and children? No, he's saying everybody ate, everyone eats, but 5,000 were men and then everybody else. So it's closer to 20,000 people. And he fed them with five loaves and two fish. God is a God of multiplication. Are you still with me? All right, let's keep reading. We lost a couple of you, but we'll get you back by the end. Don't worry. 914, it says, For they were about 5,000 men, and he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in about uh, groups of 50 each. They did so and had them all sit down. It says, Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. So they broke it, they sent it, and then they picked back up 12 baskets. Why 12 baskets? People say, oh, they were in a region called the 12, and so there's this numerology. I think it's because each disciple handed it out, and then they picked back up each 12 baskets. It's kind of simple numbers, but it's because each disciple now had a testimony that God is a God of multiplication. Each, test, each disciple now could testify in their hands in front of them that God is a God of multiplication. And we go, man, that's so great. Isn't Jesus awesome? Like, yeah, Jesus. But I think sometimes we make these scriptures so otherworldly that we forget this is like real people who think just like you and I think. This is like really Peter. This is really people walking through this. This is really, and and this is the thing that that, that in preachers and pastors that that I listen to, I respect is, is again, it's getting us to realize these are not otherworldly characters, right? They're not Bible characters. They're people. Are you with me? These are not like random people that are just cut out of felt for the nursery kids to tell the story. These are real people who really think like you and I think, which is basically, this is insane. So I want us to, if we can, travel back in time. If you wore sandals, you're already halfway there. Travel back in time. It's 40 degrees. I don't know why you wore sandals, but God knew and he wanted to... (laughs) But travel back in time and put yourself in this spot because I think it's important. Put yourself in this moment. Put yourself in the disciples' place. Is that you're following Jesus. And Jesus claims to be the Messiah. Right? So you, you used to be a dock worker. You have now given up your job and everything that you have to follow a guy and wander around the countryside while he spits in dirt and rubs it into people's faces. Right? I mean, this is... Um, an unusual, right? So if people ever think you're being an unusual Christian, just say, I know, that's just how we are. <laughs> that's what he did. He just wandered around. He was healing people. And so, so this guy you've been following, who you're pretty sure is the Messiah, you're not sure about this whole eat my body stuff, but, but you're getting there. And, and, he, and he begins to go to places and heal, and all of a sudden a crowd really develops. And you start putting together what would be considered a big service. Like you did mailers, you did Facebook promo. You know, Philip's in the back like, I don't like mega church. And you're like, Philip, we're just happy people are coming to get healed. You should chill out. We're like, there's still 12 of us. You can still do your small group. Right? (laughs) And so they begin to gather and they begin to come together. And so the worship's good. Jimmy slays it because he's up there and apparently he's a disciple now. And he slays the worship set. You got upgraded, amigo. Um, And all of a sudden, Jesus steps up and he goes to give the message. And it was a 10 o'clock service, so you think, you know what, you can, if it's a good message, he'll say it in half an hour, right? I mean, if he's a really, if he was a good communicator, he would say it in 30 minutes. But 30 minutes elapses, and all of a sudden it's approaching 12 o'clock, and you begin to think, man, I don't know if anyone told Jesus, but there's other things I need to do today. And it's not listen to Jesus. I got stuff I got to do, man. Like Aloe Cafe is going to close at noon. And if I don't brunch, like what what did I get up today? (laughs) But all of a sudden, 1 o'clock comes around and you're like, 1 o'clock? Like we are rapidly approaching football time. Like somebody needs to let Jesus know. Somebody come get your boy. He is up here preaching through 1 o'clock. 2 o'clock comes around. Nothing. You're like, everything's closed. My goodness, I have missed brunch. 
I'm done. Who am I? Right? Three o'clock comes around. He's still preaching. You did not realize he was going to do the whole Blessed Life series in one day. You're like, Jesus, when we said we were doing the series, I thought you were going to break it out over time so that we could still do what we needed to do, right? Four o'clock, he's still going. At this point, kids' church is chaos, and they're sprinting through, and you think, this should distract him, but it's not distracting him. Somehow, he's still talking to 20,000 people, totally unfazed that we are now out of diapers, right? Kids did not poop back then. You think they had spares? No, they didn't. Yeah, probably even more. That's right. Five o'clock rolls around, and you think, okay, guys, we got to do something. At this point, everyone has this person in the crew, and it might be you. The hangry person speaks up and says this famous line, if I do not eat, I am literally going to die. Which, let's be real, if you say the phrase, I am literally going to die, 90% likely you are not literally going to die. Because people who are going to die don't say, I'm literally going to die. Right? If you say, I'm literally going to do anything, you're not. <laughs> like, I'm literally going to freak out. Like, hey, you're kind of always freaking out. So that person, I think, maybe, I think maybe Peter, who's just laying on the back, like, ah. It's like, Peter, you're not yourself when you're hungry. Right? It's one of those ads. They give him a Snickers, and he turns it to James. <laughs> but it says in, in, in Luke 9, it says this. <laughs> We're just way off, aren't we? It says, now the day began to wear away. That's how I know that it's been going a long time. And, and I love, remember I put up the spectrum. We talked about different translations. So let me give you the word-for-word -word translation of this. It's important because there's thought-for-thought -thought translations and word-for-word -word translations, different things. Let me give you the word-for-word -word translation of this for now the day began to wear away. Here it is. You ready? Now the day began to wear away. That is the literal translation. It meant, this is Luke saying, even for me as a doctor, this is a long time. Like, this is a long wait. <laughs> this is a long time that he's been going. And so, the disciples decide, we need to do something, or Peter's going to cut off somebody's ear. Like, we have to fix this. And so, the disciples decide, okay. He's always telling us weird stories and testing us and sending us across in boats and storms. But he loves these people. And if we tell them that the crowd is just ravenous, he's going to send them away, right? Because, like, Jesus loves to send the crowd away. And so the disciples say, and just put yourself in the story. Pick whatever disciple you want to be because we don't know which one went up. Uh, in John, it kind of elaborates it a little bit. But... Just imagine you're a disciple and you're like, guys, that's a great idea. Someone has to tell him to send away the crowd to go get some food. And they all look up and go, great, do that. So you've now been elected, follow me here, to go from off stage or off, off hill onto the hill, 20,000 people. So picture that Jesus is preaching at the Salt River Fields and it has great acoustics for 20,000 people. And you now have to walk up to Jesus and 20,000 people, and, and he's speaking, you have to be like, Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus. <laughs> you got to use his full name, Jesus Christ <laughs> of Nazareth. <laughs> and you say, listen, uh, I know you, you are just kill You're slaying it, man. You're, I mean, your best speaker I've ever seen. You, Judah Smith, Steve, I mean, you're up, you're up there. You know, you're even better than Billy Graham. Like, you're, you're up there. You're slaying it right now. But I think the people are hungry. We need to send them to get some food. The people are hungry. All these people, I mean, we're doing awesome because we're fasting and we're in the spirit. And we're eating the spiritual food you were talking about that we don't understand. But you need to send these people out so they can get some food, right? I mean, that, that's reasonable. If I preach for four hours, one of my staff is going to come up and be like, hey, man, wrap it up. Okay, we get it. You love Jesus. <laughs> so you go up and you tell Jesus, Jesus, I think you need to, you know, finish, finish this thing. Do your, you know, land the plane, like we call it when we're talking sermons. Land the plane, and uh, we need to let everybody go. And Jesus says, hmm, that's a great idea. Let's do that. No, Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus looks at his disciple. He looks at you, and just imagine this feeling. You've come up. You said, God, we got we to gotta dismiss the church because they can get something to eat. And he comes up to you and says... You give them something to eat. Okay. <laughs> 20,000 people. 20,000. 20, Take this room and 
put 200 more of them together, and that is how many people that Jesus just told you, hey, Jimmy, may you go ahead and feed them. Jimmy's like, oh, yeah, sick, awesome. Should have gone to Hillsong. (laughs) But he says, you feed them. And so now you, as the uh, emissary up onto the side of the hill to talk to Jesus, have to go back to your people and say, okay, guys, so here's the thing. He said um, that we should feed them. Philip's like, you're an idiot. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? You know when you get grilled by your friends? Like, what do you, no, what did he say? What did he literally say you had to do? And you're like, no, he said you find them something to eat. And so uh, maybe Peter being hyper-literal and aggressive is like, I'll find him something to eat. And so Peter starts going through camp, just pushing over kids, trying to find bread or whatever he can find. And so to, to quiet him down, what we see in John 6, 9, and again, this is me elaborating just so we can get our mind in. Again, don't like come back up and be like, did Peter push people over? I don't know. The rock of Christ. Like, I know. Come on, man. Like, you're better than that. So John 6, 9, it says this. It says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, because he knew Peter's out of control. I know my brother. we got to do something. It says this. In, in John 6, 9, he says, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among us? So basically, let me give you the new American translation. Yo, this kid's got food. That's essentially what's happened here is this poor child has been singled out by a ravenous horde of 20,000 people. But, and they snatch this food. Again, you know, they take this food from him. But it's not even like, in my brain, I go Ivers because that's where I grew up. There was an Ivers. There was a fish and chips place. Uh, and I was thinking, well, like Long John Silvers. But I haven't seen like a Long John Silvers. So I was trying to think in terms of us. And to me, it'd be like they grab this food and it is the Cane's chicken, right? But when they grab it, they look in and realize this isn't even a full Caniac meal. This is two chicken strips and five pieces of Texas toast, which like could feed a middle schooler for half an hour, but it's not going to feed 20,000 people, right? And they grab this back. Just imagine that. Jesus has told you feed 20,000 people, and you now have two chicken strips or fish for the pescatarians out there and five loaves of bread, which is not that much food. And so now you're thinking, okay, Jesus said you feed them, but this is all we have. This is all the food that we got. This is all we could find. I know we only look for 15 minutes, but this is it. If we bring this to Jesus, it's going to be far too little to do any kind of people, right? If we bring this tiny half of a Caniac meal to Jesus, he's going to have to dismiss all of Salt River Field because There's just absolutely no way to do so much with so little. That makes sense. Let me tell you something is that, and I've learned this, that tithing doesn't make sense. Sometimes the ways of God just don't make sense in the natural order, but they work. Are you with me? Sometimes it does not make sense, but the ways of God in proper order always work. They always work. And so you go to Jesus and you say, Jesus, uh, we have half a Caniac meal. We got two strips, five pieces of toast, uh, and that's about it. And Jesus says, oh, perfect, awesome. Hey, uh, have the people sit down in groups of 50, which is a lot when there's 20,000 people there. And you're like, Jesus, I don't think you heard me. Again, put yourself in this place. These are not characters. They're not yet called saints. They're they're just people. And he said, great, you tell them, just sit down in groups of 50, and uh, we'll we'll start there. Like, oh, okay. And so as they're sitting down in groups of 50, I, I wonder, and I often think about this, like, do they... Do they remember some Old Testament? Because some of these guys would have remembered some Old Testament. And in 2 Kings 4, Elisha had loaves of bread, and he gave the loaves, uh, 20 of the loaves, as a first fruit, as a tithe. And God 
uh, multiplied in Elisha's hands as he prayed, multiplied the loaves. That's 2 Kings 4. You can go look it up later. Multiplied the loaves. So I wonder if some of them were thinking, okay, here's what's going to happen because we saw the whole water into wine thing. When Jesus prays, it's going to like just all of a sudden multiply right there in front of our eyes. And some people think that that's what happened, but it's not correct of what, what happened. It didn't just multiply there in front of their eyes in this moment. Jesus is like, pow, and then all of a sudden there was a million pieces of Texas toast. That's not how it went down. This is important. If you look at, at 916, it says this. It says, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, said a blessing over them. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. Again, go with me here because it's so important. Peter comes up, or John comes up, and he hands him the loaves, the loaves, the five loaves, 20,000 people. Again, get this, 20,000 people. Jesus says, awesome, perfect. And he lifts it up to heaven, and he blesses it. He breaks it. So full loaf, breaks it, gives them to Peter. And if you're Peter or John or whoever, and, and you now have this, you're thinking, like, is this, is this a test? Like, what am I supposed to do with half of a loaf of bread? Man, you just made, this is not even going to feed five people, let alone 50 people. But he blesses it, and he breaks it, and he gives it, and he says, now that I've blessed it, I want you to give it away and watch that it multiplies said, now that I've blessed it, now I want you to give it away and watch how it multiplies. See, you bring it to me first. Get this principle that, that Jesus is teaching in this moment. You bring it to me first, I bless it, and then it can multiply. What I think happened is even in this moment, Peter's like, okay, we got to dress this thing up. Have any of you guys ever had people over to your house and uh, more people came than you had anticipated? And so now your ability to present food gets uh, dramatic. I'm the only person. Like you have spaghetti and all of a sudden you're like, you're just, you just, instead of like spaghetti with the sauce, you just have like a swoosh of sauce because there's no way you're going to get everyone. There's 25 people here. So everyone's getting like a little like artsy curl of spaghetti and like a swoosh of sauce. <laughs> That's just me? Okay, cool. If you've ever been to my house, you're like, oh, that, that, I thought that was just meaningful. No, it was, it was just managing. It was being a good steward. <laughs> uh, and I think Peter he takes like a towel and he folds it over. And he's got like the fold so you can only open one fold. Like, like somehow that made the bread more special. And Peter goes up to the first person and, and he goes up and he's just like, hey, hey, just uh, we're going to do a couple laps. <laughs> we're going to come around again. So just, just take like a little piece. And like as they're pulling, he's pulling away to try to like limit the, the piece. It's like when your child wants to eat some of your food and they take a way bigger bite than they deserve. Uh, <laughs> and he begins to like pull it away. And what happens and we see in Scripture is it's not, again, it's not when Jesus blessed it that it multiplied. Follow me because this is so important. It's not when Jesus blessed it that all of a sudden it multiplied. When Peter is handing it out to each person, he's realizing this, this piece of bread is not getting any lighter. Right? If I hand it out to 50 people, one a half loaf broken, blessed, handed. If I begin to hand out a broken loaf of bread, eventually I would go, and we're done. But it never goes away. As it is being given generously, it begins to multiply. And I think when, when the disciples begin to realize that, they begin to be like, hey, man, take however much you want because we got magic bread and it just multiplies and it grows and it expands and there's more and it's building and just rip off pieces and get whatever you want because now that it's leaving my hands, I'm seeing that it's multiplying. Are you with me? See, it didn't multiply in the master's hand. It multiplied coming from the disciples' hands. There's a principle there. Jesus blessed it, and he gave it, and then it multiplied from the disciples' hands. And this is the principle, is that they gave it first to Jesus. He blessed it. He gave to them. They gave generously, and it multiplied. There's a progression. And there's two principles of multiplication that I love in this scripture. I'm going to share them just really briefly with you this morning. 
Does everyone feel like you can kind of get in the headspace? Are you there with me? Because it's important. Good? Okay. Two principles of multiplication. First, it has to be blessed before it can multiply. On the back of your calendar, there's a notes sheet. You can write this down. I think it's important. Write down Luke 9. And then write, it has to be blessed before it can multiply. See, we see this all throughout Scripture, all throughout the series. I mean, I've shared so much Scripture in this series. It's crazy. Resources, books, and things, and, and, and all the Scripture from the Bible to show that it has to be blessed to multiply. And the way that our finances are blessed is that we bring the first 10%. We return the first 10% to God. That's how. Our tithe, our first fruit, we bring it to God. Hebrews, when we read, backs that up, that Jesus, the, the church stewards it, but Jesus receives our tithes. And what I think is, it, is tough is some people will bring a little here and a little there and a little bit here, and they'll kind of like build it up and, into the amount and, and these kind of things. And, but their finances aren't blessed because only Jesus can bless your finances. I'm just sharing truth with you this morning. That's been my goal the whole series. People have asked us in our church, especially because we have, we have a lot of young people in our church, how do you guys share these truths with your church? And I'm like, people want truth. There's enough untruth out there that's going to lie to you and tell you, oh, man, well, you can just do this. And you can, let me tell you what the word of God says. If you want your finances to be blessed and to multiply, it starts by bringing them to Jesus first. Think about this. What if Jesus' disciples had given out the bread before he blessed it? Would it have multiplied? No. I'll just, I'll jump in. No. It's the same way when you give a little here and you give a little here, but you don't bring it to Jesus first to bless it. Follow me here. I'm trying to unlock principles in your life. If, you, if you're giving a little here and you're helping here and you're giving here, that's all good. That's all generous. I like generosity. I think it's important that generosity is biblical. But unless you bring it to Jesus First, he cannot bless it. People ask, and this is a question I get asked, can I divide my tithe? And I think that's an important question. People ask me, hey, can I divide my tithe, you know, between uh, a little bit of the church and a little bit over here in this missions organization, a little bit of this outreach? Uh, and and I, I like to clarify and, again, say I'm not about legalism, but about relationship. But the principle of tithing is that you bring the full 10% into the house of God, which is the table at which you're eating. This house. We have a house. People say, church is not a building. Very true. But you currently are in a building at church. So go with that how you want. <laughs> But I think generosity is important. Again, I think we're going to talk about it just real quick in a second. And can I tell you, this church is immensely generous. If you're like, well, I give to missionaries. Yes, I, I agree. We do too. This church gave last year almost $30,000 to missions. We support 24 missionaries. Yeah, we're going next week to launch a church in another country with missionaries that we support just them, like, so heavily and so devoted. We're about missions, so don't hear me say, don't give to missionaries. It's not what I'm saying. If a missionary is listening to our podcast, don't call me. We love you. You're still getting your check. <laughs> but let me give you a personal example of why this is important. Uh, when Katie and I came down, um, or when Katie and I were younger, I mean, well, we, we started giving tithe together. When we got married, we, we started tithing. And we just always have. And I think sometimes people look at where we are now, where we came from, and they think, like, oh, it's just so easy. It's, it's, this, it's not easy for anyone to give. It's, it's not human. It's human to keep. It's not human to return. And so even when we didn't even have a furnace in our house and we're like, I feel like an old man when I tell these stories. We're like heating it with firewood. People are like, oh, I did that for fun. Yeah, well, you know. Instagram lies. It sucked. Uh, we'd heat our, you know, home with fires, and, and and I remember just being like, man, we have no money. What are we gonna? How are we gonna do this? We don't. We need a. We need a car. Like, how are we gonna get around? All these kind of things. I remember saying like, but we still apply to the principle of tithing, and God honored that in our life. And and as as it happened, and as we went through ministry, we encountered missionaries and missions organizations and people that we loved, and and felt again following the biblical principle, giving above and beyond our tithe, and believing that God will multiply that through those people. 
But when I moved to Arizona, uh, initially we moved down with a team of people to plant a church in Tempe, not Scottsdale. And I was a contract employee for Church Place, which meant I was hired to do a job to help with certain things. And so we had a question, do we alter what we give because I don't know where I work and where things and where it's due and where the money goes. And I just felt God so clearly say, bring it all into the house. So we're like, okay. Because part of my brain is like, man, we need to alter like what we're tithing so we can cover these missionaries because we're not making any money. Like, how am I going to do that? And it's like, I don't want to be that guy that's like, hey, man, can't support you in missions, you know. And like, it, I would feel awful. So I, I had a little guilt. But, but I felt like I was leading us and saying, listen, you need to give and return to me what is mine and then trust me in the support for the rest of it. And so we did. We, we, we returned to God what was his in the tithe. And then we just said, okay, God, we're going to trust you because we don't want to, we want to support these other organizations that we love and deeply care about that are changing the world. And at the time, this is just a testimony in my life, and my wife can attest to it. At the time, we had this side business selling stadium prints, and I didn't really do anything with it. And, I, and all of a sudden, as we begin to give fully and then, and then just in faith give generously, God began to grow this business out of really no work. I mean, some work of ours, but no work of ours. He began to grow this thing. Like, the return we're getting was greater than our marketing ability. <laughs> That's all I'll say. My wife will attest. And God began to grow this thing. And, and I remember getting to the end of the year and looking at the amount that we had received from this business that we also tithed on and, and the amount that we had given to the missionaries and realized that they were the same amount. And every time we would up our missions giving, God would up this. And I'm not saying that's a brag because I, I'm not doing anything to deserve this thing. I'm saying this is the faithfulness that God spoke into our lives. This is how we directed us. It's not necessarily how he's going to direct you, but how he directed us was, listen, if you trust me and return to me what's mine, and then decide to be generous above and beyond that to grow the kingdom, I'm going to honor that and build that up. And so we began to do that in our lives. And we got to the end of the year, and we had a real conversation. Let me know if you've ever had this conversation uh, in your family is this, man, what could we do with all this money we're giving to missions? What could we do for us? Like, we need, like, a new car. Like, we need some stuff. Like, we want to adopt a kid. Like, you know, we're justifying. Like, we want to adopt a kid, and it's, like, for a kid. And we're going to, you know, we're gonna... and it was like, I felt like God so clearly say, no, 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 no. Don't limit me. Don't limit my generosity by adjusting your generosity. Just give more. And so we did. And we began to give more. And what happened is we got an email from uh, the Oakland A's. It's a baseball team. And uh, the director of their spring training reached out to us and said, hey, I love what you guys are doing. Would you do a design of our stadium out in Mesa, make it for everyone, for our office, for Billy Bean's office, for everyone. We want to hook it up, pay you for that. And it was huge. And it was just in that moment I felt like God was like, see, Right, don't, adjust your, don't adjust your generosity. Let me meet your generosity with generosity. And, and again, I'm just saying this to say there was an option not to brag on us, not to say if your finances aren't in order, you're, you're living against God. No, please do not hear me say that. But to say in our hearts there was a choice. Do I return to God what's God's and, and believe him to multiply for the kingdom or do I take it into my own hands and make the choice for him? That's, that's scary. It's easy to say from stage, it's harder to live. But it's God's way, and it works. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. Second thing, final thing is this. It has to be given away before it can multiply. See, the first principle I just shared with you refers to tithing. It refers to bringing it in, bringing that to the Lord so that he can bless it, so that the rest of it can be blessed, so that the rest of it can be redeemed, so the rest of it can be used to multiply. And once he has blessed it, now you can give above and beyond and see that he might, he might multiply it. That's why we did at the beginning of this year the all-in missions fund, was to give above and beyond to what God wanted to do through this church, through missions specifically, and give people an opportunity to unlock that generosity. Because think about this. What if Jesus broke it, blessed it, gave it to the disciples, and then they ate it all? Would it have multiplied? I'm going to say it one more time, and as I do, apply life application principles to your heart. If, if Jesus had blessed it, broken it, handed it to Peter, and Peter said, great, 
would it have multiplied? No. It multiplied because they gave it away. And the reason I teach this is not for the church to get more money. The reason I teach this is to unlock a beautiful principle of multiplication in your life. Because there's people who are going to miss on the miraculous generosity of God. Because they're just, they're, they're giving this and this and this and this and this. But it's not in order. They're not, their finances are not in order. Their life is not in order. And they're missing the beauty of multiplication. This is a principle on giving. See, giving and offering and tithing are two separate things. I remember when someone first taught me about giving, and we first talked about generosity, I said, I do give, I tithe. They're like, what? I said, I do give, I, I, I tithe. I, I give 10%, you know, every month. And it was like, no, you return 10%. See, if you were with us, again, you can go back in the sermons. I'm not going to rehash it, but in Joshua and Malachi, the tithe is set apart as holy unto God, which means you don't give it, you return it. That's why God is so confident in saying, if you keep it, it's stolen. Follow me. These are like kind of hard words, but like hear my heart on this. Is it, if you keep it, it's stolen. So you return the 10%. That's returned. That belongs to God. That's how you rebuke the devourer. That's how you release, uh, open the blessing for your finances and bring them into alignment with God. But the principle of multiplication here is referring to above and beyond that. Say, so how do I know when I'm supposed to give above and beyond? That's why Jesus says, I know my sheep and my sheep know my voice. So he can speak to you and begin to tell you. Again, it's not guilt-motivated. It's God-motivated. And there's levels of giving. Right? There's tithing. That's returning. There's offering. That, that's giving. That's being generous. That's offering things up. People all the time throughout the history of our life, I've seen the testimony of people giving up all kinds of things. This church has a testimony of generosity over it, Right? The reason that this church has this building is because the district gave the church a building years and years and years ago. And Dana and Bridget faithfully stewarded that place for eight years and then gave again here. And now they're in Thailand fulfilling their dreams. See, it's about generosity and giving above and beyond. It's not just about 10%, not about a number. But here's the thing about generosity. In order for it to multiply, it's got to leave our hands. God is a God of multiplication, but he's also a God of extravagant giving. And God loves a giving heart. But hear me, God is not as concerned with the wealth of your hands as he is with the wealth of your heart. David, when he, when he was setting aside money for Solomon to build the temple, it says he set aside so much money that it, was roughly, it would be roughly equivalent to $21 billion. That's a lot of money, right? That's a lot of money from King's standards. That's a lot of money for, like, this country's standards. $21 billion. It's so generous. It's extravagant. And that makes us think, like, oh, man, I don't have $21 billion. This sounds kind of like a rich person's message. And I say, no, it's an every person's message because look at Luke 21, 1 through 4. It says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave gifts out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in all she had. Jesus is saying what? He's saying this woman gave extravagantly. This woman is generous, and my heart honors that heart. Are you still with me this morning? God is concerned with the wealth of your heart, not just the wealth of your hands. Are you with me? God is concerned, not with a dollar amount, but with a heart amount. Where is your heart? Where is your heart? Because the heart of God, I don't know if you knew this, is generous. John 3, 16, right? One of the greatest and probably most shared scriptures in all the Bible. For God so loved the world that he did what? Gave his only son. Not loaned. Not gave part. Not reserved to see if we'd be good enough. Just he gave. He gave his only son 
God is an extravagant giver. In order to multiply, it has to be given. See, if it's true about Jesus, it's true about your life too. Is that Jesus recognized it has to be given to be multiplied. And he spoke about himself in John 12, 24. He says, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Pretty simple principle that the Messiah is trying to teach us to say, listen, if you try to hold on to it, it's gone anyways. But... If it's given for the kingdom, God multiplies it. And Jesus is speaking about his own life. He says, God is generous, and he has sent me, and I could stay with you forever and walk with you. But if I give my life, if I'm given for the kingdom, what God's going to do is greater than anything you could ever imagine, greater than any of them at that time could have ever comprehended a single seed. See, it's pretty simple of seeds, but for some reason when it enters into our finances because we're not working with grain anymore, we get confused. But in Malachi, says, bring it into the storehouse. Bring the 10% of your grain into the storehouse so the 90% will be blessed. But what happens if they eat the 90%? They're not growing any more grain. That's a simple principle. What happens if the worker at the time was so in debt that they couldn't even get to any of the grain to even plant again? And so they said, God, I don't know if we can bring any to the storehouse because I owe so much in debt that I'm not going to be able to sow any more seed. Jesus wouldn't say, great, don't bring it in the storehouse. He would say, get your finances in order. Because it's the principle. This is not a prosperity doctrine. This is a reality doctrine, which is if you have the 90% and you eat it all, what are you going to sow with? Some of us, we never think about that. What am I sowing with? What are my resources am I sowing back into the kingdom? The 10% I'm returning, that belongs to God. But what am I doing with the 90% that I'm giving back? Was the 90% that God has given me, was it really given to me just to go in debt over a boat? Is that what he gave me to do for the kingdom? And again, I'm not saying this to convict you. We all live this life. And I'm not, I'm not saying don't buy a house because you're going to go into, bed, go into debt. I'm not like some like over-the-top hyper Dave Ramsey guy. I'm just saying the reality of life is that the church has been handicapped for the growth of the kingdom because we are in debt to Visa. What could God do if the people of God got their finances in the same order that we seem to require everybody else to have their spirit in? We love to tell people how to live their lives until it comes to our bank account. Don't do this, do this, wear this, don't say this, don't drink that, don't do that, but don't tell me how to live my life with my bank account. And Jesus is saying, what are you talking about, man? You have nothing to put in the ground, so when the harvest comes, you're going to go hungry. But what if? What if? Could you imagine if you had a seed and you were a farmer and God came down and spoke to you and said, listen, plant this seed in the ground and watch me multiply it? You'd be like, yep. You wouldn't eat it. Be like, ah, oh, sorry. <laughs> it's gone. You'd plant it because God can do amazing things with what you see as money. He sees as a seed to plant for the kingdom. This morning Chandler shared, and he said he shared about a mustard seed. Some of you, you do not have a bag of seed. You have one mustard seed. One, I don't know if you've seen a mustard seed. It's very tiny. You couldn't see it if I was holding it. One mustard seed, and you're holding it onto it with all of your might. But God says, what if you plant it and watch me multiply it? You cannot make a tree grow, no matter how powerful you are. Just go home and try. Just go yell at the dirt till a tree grows out of it. See how it goes and come back and tell me. Actually, I'll be gone next week. Uh, come tell Jimmy. But if we... Let it go from our hands, and we give it. We bring the first part, and it's blessed, and it redeems the rest, and then we take and we seed and we give. Can I tell you, the kingdom of God is about multiplication. It will multiply. This is a heart principle. I'm not telling you to come give to this here at this church. I'm not come telling you to come, you know, give your car to someone at the church. I'm not telling you to sell your house. I'm not telling you to do any of that. I'm telling you to be led by the Lord to unlock generosity through multiplication in your life. And I believe that God knows his kingdom and how to grow it. Amen.
I want to tell you one story, and then we're done. I'm going to write the band up this morning because it's important. It goes with this. Is, uh, when we were fasting, I, uh, I, I had car trouble, and I, and I shared that with you guys a couple weeks ago. And uh, it's a simple thing, but it's going to illustrate um, thoughts and things in my life. Is that I, I had car trouble, and, and they called me when I was going to this young adults thing, and they told me it's going to be $2,000 to fix, of which I had a solid no dollars to fix. <laughs> And God is a God of multiplication, but if you multiply zeros, you still get zeros. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, Lord, you got to provide. And what's interesting is um, then that Sunday, we had, we, had, uh, we had been given some money, and we found this money. It was, it was just this miracle of what we had set aside, and it was in, some, uh, it was in one of the safes that we never go in. And we had we'd set it aside because someone had given it to us to take care of us and, and, and our people when we moved down. And um, when we began to plant a church, so it's been there for two and a half years. And it was $1,000. I remember looking at this again. I'm going to share this not to boast, so please. Was, and I remember looking at this, and God said, Again, remember, I have a $2,000 bill that I can't pay. Looking at $1,000, thinking, I'm halfway there, living on a prayer. Just trying to lighten it up, y'all. And I felt God tell me, give it away. And he was right, because that was God's money. As I held it in my hand, I knew this is you. This is from you. It's to you, and I gave it away. So then I, I shared a church, and, and then that day uh, when I was at home, I, I got a knock on the door, and as I'm thinking about, great, like now I had 2000 I gave away 1000 yay. Someone came to my door, and they knocked on the door, and they said, we want to do this discreetly. We didn't think you were going to be home. Here's a check. Here's an envelope, and they gave me an envelope, and the envelope was full of $1,000 again. And that just so encouraged my heart again. I, this job's hard, and it feels good when people love on you and encourage you because um, it's tough, and that blessed me. And I felt like God told me in that moment that was for their heart to encourage your heart, but that's not the miracle. You're going to give that money back. And I was like, God, I'm 2000 down. I can't give away $2,000 in the same weekend. And be, But I felt like God say to me, follow and listen to my command and trust me and see See that I'm trustworthy. See that I'm trustworthy. And so I prayed. I was like, all right, Lord, I'm going I'm to give this back when I see them next. And I'm just going to believe because I think the miracle was from my heart. And that, that hit me. And that was one of the most powerful experiences. It really solidified some things emotionally for me that we were loved and supported by this church. It was awesome. It was so good. Uh, and then we get a call from the car company. They say, hey, uh, the Ford, they covered this thing. I don't know why they covered it. So we decided to fix it as fast as we can. And it's ready. Come get it now because they're not going to charge you. They're just going to cover it. So I'm like, oh, yes. I'm like whipping over there in my wife's car. <laughs> I think I think Carson actually maybe took me to, somebody took me there. I was like, let's go. Let's go now. <laughs> and God, God provided and. And it was interesting, and then I was able, you know, to give that money back and, and, and to see kind of the continued testimony in that moment. And, and I went home, and I began to pray, God, what are, you, what are you trying to, anyone ever do this, what are you trying to show me in this moment? What are you trying to teach me in this moment? What are you trying to do in this moment? And I was just seeking the Lord, like, God, what do you want? It's interesting because I was preparing for the series and I was preparing. It reminded me uh, of a story that I had been told about Solomon. And that Solomon, uh, for those who don't know, he, he was told by God, ask anything of me and I will give it to you. At night, Solomon was praying and seeking God. And God, God said, ask anything of me. And as I was studying for this uh, the, the, the resource I was studying said, look to that day and see what he did because it enlightens what God told him that night. So I'm like, okay. So I looked at what he did. And when Solomon became king, it was considered usual for a king to sacrifice one bull. And Solomon sacrificed a thousand. Follow me. That's a lot even for a king. A thousand. 
And in this moment of generosity and saying, God, I put you first in everything, God said, what do you want? And it was funny because I was studying for this series, and it's crazy. I didn't even know we were going to talk about this. And I felt like God was asking me, like, what, what do you want? Because the car is great, and I love the car, but I'm not saying give generously to God and he will give you a car. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when you open, when you bring it to God and he blesses it, and you open your hand, he will multiply it. And so the multiplication that I wanted is I said, God, here's what I want. I want you to unlock an anointing over our ministry to break the chains of oppression and depression in the name of Jesus. And to me, that's, that's better than a car. That's better than a paid bill. That's better than a check. As I say, God, if you're really asking me and you're saying, okay, you've said you trust me. If you're really asking me what I want, this is what I want. I want to lay hands on somebody in the name of Jesus. I want depression to leave their mind and to stop afflicting them in the name of Jesus. I want, to, I want that to be my whole life. And I believe you've given me that calling, but I want the anointing. And so if you're asking me, you can go and even, you can even take the car back. I don't even care. I just want in my life people to be afraid of oppression and depression because I know that life. And I want you to use me to break it in the name of Jesus. But here, hold on. Here's why I preach these messages. It is not so that you will give to the church, but so that God will use what little you have to multiply in his kingdom. Because if you really got there, everything would change. Follow me. People of the Spirit. People who claim that God is with them and who has given them their Holy Spirit. And so you have received all of the gifts that he has promised. All these things. Hear me say, and I know we're going long and I'm sorry, but this is so important. This is why we do the whole series and the whole thing. is because God has so much in store for this church, and I don't want you to miss it because you're eating all of the seed. I want you to open your hand, and God is saying, if you would release it to me, you would see how I would multiply it, and I'll come before you, and I'll say, okay, now what do you want? And your heart now being knit with God's heart isn't like a car. Your heart is God. I want what you want. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God is looking for a church of people who would say that, God, I give generously because you gave generously. And I respond. And as I respond, I pray, would you multiply it in my finances? Would you multiply it in this city? Would you multiply it in my life? All I got is a mustard seed because it turns out the enemy sent the crows to take everything else. But I got the one mustard seed, and I'm still going to put it in the dirt, Terry. And, and he's still going to grow a big old tree, an oak of righteousness for the kingdom of God. He promises it. He will be faithful to fulfill it. Would you stand with me this morning? I went a little long, so here's how I'm going to finish this morning. I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes. Bow your heads with me. We're not going to do any hand raising. I just, I want you and Jesus in this moment. Jesus says, bring it to me so that I might bless it. So that when you give it away above and beyond, it will multiply. Some of you, God wants to multiply in your life. Not some of you, all of you. I want to multiply. Some of you have seen it in a season, but you're a little afraid. But God's saying, do you trust me right now to unlock generosity in your life and through even the smallest seed grow the kingdom of God? Here's what I'm going to do. If you're praying this morning and you came in and you feel like maybe you got a lot of seed or a small seed, but whatever it is, you're saying, God, I, I need the faith to trust you, to give it to you first, to return to you what's yours, the 10%. But also, God, I want to give them above and beyond because I want a life testimony of multiplication. But God, it, it starts with trusting you and I need to trust you. I'm struggling a little bit right now. Can I tell you you're in the right place? There's nothing wrong with struggling. There's nothing wrong with doubts. 
is a great place to be. But if you're saying, I'm struggling a little bit, and I just want to say, God, I, I trust you. As I pray, I'm just going to invite you. You don't got to raise your hand. You don't got to come in. I'm going to say, whatever it is, as I pray for you, all I want you to do in your heart is just to maybe renew a promise to God that says, God, I trust you. I trust you in my family. I trust you in my finances. I trust you in my life. But let's pray together. God, right now, I thank you, Lord. I thank you that you promise in your scripture and you show us through your son that as he blesses it, if we bring it to you first and Jesus blesses it, God, that you will multiply what we give above and beyond. God, I thank you that we've seen that in this church. God, I thank you that all around the world, thousands and thousands of people have come to know, millions of people have come to know the Lord because of what your churches have done in giving the first, and then giving above and beyond. And so, God, I pray a ministry of multiplication. God, I pray right now if someone even only has one small seed, just one tiny seed, God, I pray you would help them to say, I trust you. And so, God, whoever, wherever we're at with a bag of seed, a wheelbarrow, a truckload, or one, we say, God, I trust you. God, I give it to you. God, I trust in you. You are my hope and my strength. You are my shepherd. And so, God, I give this to you, and I say, would you bless it? Would you multiply it? In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.